Welcome to Break a Wish, the podcast where all your dreams come true, but with terrible, ironic consequences. I'm your host, Maddox Campbell. Joining me this time, we have Alan Bellarique. Hello. And Grace Smith. Hi. And the movie we're going to be breaking down is the Wonder Woman 1984 from 2020. That is a little bit of a confusing thing with the years on there. <laughs> the movie is titled 1984. And it right now it's 2021, out. so it's it, just... Yeah. Yeah, it came came it out in 2020. <laughs> it is our most recent uh, turnaround on a movie coming out, and then us breaking it down. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your experiences with Wonder Woman, uh, both of you? Just so we know how uh, how experienced you were going into this, what you were expecting. Um, I was not super familiar with Wonder Woman before the previous Patty Jenkins film. Like I'd never watched the Linda Carter series. I hadn't read any of the comics. I was much, and I wasn't really also into the, like, into the DC superhero films. I was much more a, a Marvel gal, so more familiar with those heroes and more familiar with those movies. So yeah, the the previous Patty Jenkins, Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman movie was my first, like, experience with the character, and I liked that movie a lot, but that that's what I'm coming in with. Yeah, I'm a little bit more of a, a comic book uh, nerd, so, like, I can be exhausting when it comes to this stuff, but... Um, yeah, I've, I mean, I'm, pr- I'm pretty familiar with, um, Wonder Woman as a character just from reading the comics and stuff. And, um, yeah, it's just frustrating for me just cause I don't, I don't have to just jump, I guess, too far into it, but, um, like I was, I really liked the first, um, Wonder Woman movie, but I thought it was like a really good groundwork, kind of same way that, uh, Captain America's first movie, the first Avenger was like a, a good sort of laying the groundwork, but then the second movie they were able to like elevate it and then make it a lot better. And that's kind of the hopes I had for for this uh, the second Wonder Woman movie. I thought they they were going to be able to build on you know the stuff that they had built in the first movie, and uh, they didn't really, in my opinion, uh, do that. This was a Winter Soldier. It wasn't. I wanted it to be. I had really high expectations of it being Winter Soldier, or at least a Civil War or something, you know. But uh, we got we got neither there, you know. Yeah, and going back to what like Grace was saying, where she's like, uh, you know, more of a fan of the Marvel stuff, not so much of the DC. Um, movies and and that's sort of a big frustration of mine because I mean that's true to like as I read both Marvel and DC and like Marvel is I think just more consistent than DC like they're just like um, you know they, they you can pick up any random Marvel book and you'll probably likely get a good story at least like semi good it's kind of like the movies like even when they're kind of not great they're still okay DC doesn't have that same you know, that same sort of track record but when they they have really great like one off stories like if you like some of the best comic book stories are going to be from the DC universe you know um oh. so it's just so frustrating cuz like they have like this potential to make really great huge you know like tentpole uh movies like DC does and um but they're not they're, they're trying to do like Marvel and they kind of they should be doing their own thing I agree they should be trying to do their own thing I think they've spent a lot of time spinning their wheels it, trying to catch up with Marvel and it's caused a lot of trouble with their movies since. Yeah. I think a lot of their animated stuff is actually a lot better than their movie stuff because exactly. yeah, that's true. They're not in the same situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and they keep kind of with the DC movies trying to like, I don't know. I feel like they, tr- they keep just trying the same kind of thing over and over again and being like, maybe this time Zack Snyder's aesthetic will work. And it, whereas, yeah, that's why I think I liked the first Wonder Woman so much because it just felt a little like not so different that it felt like a completely different film series, but it felt like different enough and kind of hopeful and optimistic. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'd been exhausted and kind of uh, with the other DC movies, I was like, oh, this one's a little messy plot wise, but quite, 
quite fun and, and hopeful. Um, I'll also just say that I, I kind of liked Wonder Woman 1984. Like I, I thought it was fun. And, um, but I, as I was sort of saying before we got on air that I watched it after I read everyone's reactions kind of mm-hmm. reading it. So I do wonder if that just like set my expectations differently. Like I think if I'd seen it on Christmas day, I probably would have been a bit more disappointed, like expecting a follow-up to the first one. I went in expecting like incomprehensible trash and was like pleasantly surprised. Right. I mean, it's, it's entertaining. I'll give it that, but um, for it to be success, it would have to surpass the first Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think anyone really thinks that like, you know, know, even people that enjoy it, I think, you know, they're like, well, it's not as good as the first, but. I don't know. You know what it felt like to me? It felt like um, the second episode of a TV show after a great pilot. Right. Rather than a movie. Like, it felt very TV show vibes to me, which, again, Mm -hmm. because I was expecting trash, I was, like, fine with this. I was like, hey, I I like TV. I'll take TV vibes. Um, But it felt, especially that first, like, um, the big action scene at the mall was very, like, cute and cheesy and fun. And that felt like a very... Again, second episode, we're just showing this hero, like, living their lives as a hero and kind of what that looks like when it's not the most high stakes thing ever. (laughs) And it, yeah. yeah. Well, what I'll say is I think a lot of this has, there's some moments that make sense as moments, but the more you try to think about how it should connect, things start to fall apart. And I think part of what that is, is this movie was plagued by rewrites and production troubles and reshoots Mm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that's. That's when a movie stops being cohesive when you're like, okay, we had a bunch of good parts we like and we want to keep those parts. Right. Yeah. Do they connect anymore? Yeah. It needed a proper rewrite just to, I mean, again, just go back to the comics for a sec. Like, um, Maddox, I don't know how familiar you are, but like with the OMAC project, but like we're not that specific, whatever that is. Okay. So there was a story like the reason I was excited about this whole like them bringing Maxwell Lord in because there's a great spoilers for like a 2005. (laughs) <laughs> DC storyline that no one's read. Um, but in this storyline, uh, uh, basically Maxwell Lord, you know, uh, he has mind control powers and stuff, and then he starts controlling. Um, he kills another DC hero, which I won't spoil just in case anyone's listening, but one of the, the, the takeaway from the moment from that was that she, he starts controlling Superman, and, um, and then Wonder Woman has to, like, fight off Superman. He, she, she, he, you know, Superman's uh, being manipulated to kill Wonder Woman, and she's fighting him off. And then when she gets, like, a moment respite, she goes to Maxwell Lord, ties him up with the uh, the lasso of truth, and it's like, tell me how to stop Superman. He's just, you know, and like Maxwell Lord is as, as point is like peak peak evil. It's like I'll never stop him. He'll he'll kill you and your loved ones and all that sort of stuff, right? And then she basically says, uh, I, no, he won't. Like, tell me what I have to do to stop him. And then with the lasso of truth around him, he says, you have to kill me. So basically, it's the truth. And then the next panel, she just snaps his neck. And I was just like, and it was such an, a, a great sort of comic moment, you know, because uh, he was a big villain and seeing Wonder Woman have to kill someone and just be put in that kind of position. I thought there was going to be something like that in the movie where like, we're, if we're introducing Maxwell Lord and Wonder Woman, that's their most famous sort of, uh, um, you know, interaction in the comics. So much to draw from. And they didn't kind of go into that kind of complexity, that dramatic, you know, uh, intrigue, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I just felt it was like a little bit of a waste. That moment wouldn't work the same way with the characters as they've been set up in this universe because mm-hmm. Superman's not the same character in this universe. He fair did enough. snap a guy's neck. Right, right. Fair and enough. Wonder Woman's not the same character. They painted themselves into a corner by having that be the ending of the, uh, like Superman's ending at least right. once, if not twice. I don't really remember those movies that well. <laughs> right. But yeah, I feel like it, it'd be such a, 
like yeah you they painted right. themselves I, out of the possibility of being able i to mean i i mean i should point out that i understand that you can't recreate things obviously exactly in the comics i'm not one of those but like yeah. just same the same thing for like marvel's uh civil war right in the actual comics uh, there was a whole other incident that led to the registration act of them, you know, the two sides fighting, right? Which was yeah, a completely right. like it that was the new warriors. That I'm familiar with. So oh, you are okay. So like yeah. there was like a random team that was like stopping a villain in a, a neighborhood, and then one of the villains exploded and killed a bunch of kids in a playground. None of that stuff is in the movie. They kind of tailored it for um, for the movie, you know, taking out of the, all the comic sort of uh, nerdy stuff. And the same thing could have been done in this where it's like, it doesn't have to be necessarily Superman. They could have rewrote, rewritten it so that it's Cheetah that's like being mind controlled by Maxwell Lord. And then, you know, she's having to like, you know, maybe it's her friend. They could have like tweaked it and made it something, okay. you know what yeah. I mean? Makes it um, in the same moment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It just felt like they, they, you know, I mean, for me, and I'm sorry, I know this on this podcast is a weird thing to say, but the wishes was the most frustrating part of it. Cause I was just like, it was completely unnecessary. <laughs> And uh, well, <laughs> well, they may have been unnecessary, but there were a lot of them. <laughs> yes. So let's, <laughs> let's quickly syno- give a synopsis of mm-hmm. the film, just in case someone is doesn't intend to watch it. This will be full of spoilers. Mm-hmm. If you don't intend to watch the film, but you still want to listen to this podcast, let me give you a quick synopsis of what the hell's going on in this. Mm-hmm. So we're in 1984. Wonder Woman is still doing some of her heroing, but mostly she's... Uh, secretly working as an anthropologist at a museum. And uh, she stumbles across an artifact that turns out to be, she doesn't realize it, a magic wishing stone called the Dream Stone. Mm-hmm. One guy gets a coffee out of it. A One guy. <laughs> Deanna accidentally resurrects uh, Chris Pine's character from the previous oh, film, <laughs> which we'll have to talk about. Yes, uh, And the character who becomes Cheetah wishes to be more like Diana and thus uh, gets her superpowers. But this whole thing was because Max Lord, an evil businessman who's clearly modeled after Trump, manages to get a hold of the Dreamstone and merge with it, is what his wish is, so that he can grant people's wishes, but also take something from them in return, because it's a monkey paw, wishing stone, chaos, emerald thing. Chaos ensues in larger and larger amounts throughout the film. None of the plot points are important other than that they are increasing chaos until he manages to use satellites to send this wish to everyone in the world where everyone makes terrible wishes. They all have terrible consequences and Wonder Woman manages to convince them all to renounce their wishes, thus ruining Max's power and uh, turning him good as he tries to become a good dad. You know, when you say... When you say the plot out loud, it just it just becomes <laughs> just ridiculous. I just um, speed through a lot of it. Admittedly, I was like, uh, this is a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> also, that guy who wished for a coffee, like he's the real hero of this movie. He walked away looking the best. He looked quite happy. I'm wondering. So it's the cost to wish ratio in this is very inconsistent and poorly defined. So we don't know what happens to that man. I am concerned about him because he seems very happy with his coffee. Right. We are un- we never see him again. He could have died. That could be why <laughs> his poison coffee. Well, what do you think? Let's think. What would be the uh, the unintentional consequence of the Faustian trade off? Yeah, I, I would think the more appropriate one would either be like super hyper or has to pee real bad constantly or wets himself. I mean, I think there's has something to be said for the low sort of stakes for, of the wish and then the low stakes of the pay, of the the payoff. You know what I mean? So maybe it's like yeah. he, he gets his coffee, but. You know, it's it's a bit. It's maybe it's a little bitter. You know, it's kind of cold. Yeah. Okay. Got or one he seems to enjoy it. 
Or maybe it's that thing, like, you know how sometimes you have a coffee and like, yeah, there's caffeine in it, but it's also mm. warm and comforting and it kind of makes you sleepy. Maybe mm. sleepy yeah. now. <laughs> maybe get sleepy. Yeah. Or maybe it just has really bad aftertaste. So like it tastes real good when he drinks it, but as soon as it's done, he's got like that coffee aftertaste oh, in his mouth. Yeah, coffee, coffee, breath. coffee breath. There it is. Yeah, or he just gets really bad diarrhea. I mean, that could just happen anyways. Like he wouldn't recognize that as unintended consequences. Yeah, he may never realize that he had a magic wish and that when everyone else in the world is getting wishes, he's like, oh, <laughs> I, did I, I, I got diarrhea now. <laughs> I got diarrhea. Everyone else got diarrhea. Yeah, I was copy from 7-Eleven guy. Like, oh, Are we, okay, since we're talking about the wishes anyway, can we just talk about how, like you said, everyone's wish was bullshit. <laughs> like nobody <laughs> wished for like world peace or like something like noble, like, I don't know, like that there's no more poverty or I don't know, something. You know, everybody wished for everyone's everyone shitty. Everyone really. Some of them were weirdly bad. Like, yeah. Even when they knew that they were getting magic or some of them didn't, but some of them were weirdly bad and evil wishes. <laughs> um, so just, I have, I found a site that sort of listed a bunch of them. So I got some of the ones that are just like other wishes, the quick ones. Uh, and one of them was the British woman who wishes that all Irish people would be sent back to where they came from. <laughs> and the Irish man who wishes no, a British yeah. woman to drop dead. Oh, Lord. One thing I, I kind of like, there were, one of the things I thought I was going to hate about the movie and then ended up it not being as bad as I thought is because I, I heard about the wish thing. And I thought that like the, you know, the bringing Chris Pine back and some of the other wishes were like, n- like knowing wishes, like they knew the thing worked when they wished for those things. Oh, okay. And I feel like the fact that a lot of the terrible wishes in the movie were made in like a, they didn't realize they were next to a magic dream stone. And it's like the kind of thing you might just think. Right. Um, so like, yeah, obviously the woman who wished for all the Irish to go back to Ireland is like um, racist. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, like, and, but, Terrible, but huh? I don't know that she knew at that point that it was that there was a magic dreamstone going right. through satellites. That's it's, not something I would. It's kind of like that wish that, like you know, you have like a, a late night or whatever, and you have to like do, uh, something's due by the morning. You're like, oh man, I wish I didn't have to sleep. You know, you just kind of like say something like that, and then you don't actually wish that because then, yeah, just you live for you know just a waking nightmare. Life becomes like a waking nightmare. You know, there are at least a couple people who probably do realize what they're wishing for, though, right? Like, of course, yeah, yeah. Once. And- the, I mean, the, even if they don't know what they're wishing for, there's at least two people here on this list that says uh, there's an Asian man in front of a TV who wishes that his country had its own missiles and an Arab man who wishes that his country had nuclear weapons. Uh, what a waste of wishes. Wish. I know. Why? I know. Everyone's like, that, and the same thing with the president, that whole moment. That's, that's when I was just like, I mean, I had already given up, but it was just like, it's just so ridiculous where he's like asking the president, what do you wish for? And he's like, anything more. I wish for more. It's like, what? That's your way more like. Like a cartoon villain, <laughs> like and, you know. I also want to. This is a reoccurring thing for me when I critique people's wishes. It's another example of someone wishing for a means to what they want rather than right. what they want. Aren't right? You, yeah. He wishes I, for more, more, more nuclear weapons. Why do you want more nuclear weapons? Oh, you want to have the Soviet Union be defeated, or yeah. you know, concede to you, or you want control of that land. Ask for that. Yeah, Don't ask I, for the nukes. Yeah, I wish everybody bowed to me or something. You know, like the United States, something like that. Like, yeah. that would get you what you want without having to nuke the world into a stone <laughs> yeah, age. Also, just the line, I want, I wish for more. I, uh, to be fair, I found most of the cheesy stuff in this movie like that just very funny. But, like, it felt like him saying, well, I wish for the theme of the movie. Right, exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> 
I'm gonna, I'm yeah, gonna stay this pieces to the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's walk through some of the other ones. We got the coffee one out of the way. Uh, yeah, first guy wished for coffee. Pitch. Yeah. Uh, we've got the cheetah. Kristen Wig wishes to be like Diana. I think that's a really fun device. Yeah, was- like the idea of discovering a superhero mm-hmm. is a superhero inadvertently by wishing to be like them and being like, oh shit, I have powers. Like, I think that's a fun device. Yes. I actually, no, I do like that idea. I think that idea is, is a good one. It's a good way. It's a good origin cool. to accidentally yeah. get powers. It's cool because she obviously meant it as in, in being like sort of, you know, big and beautiful like Diana and like having that sort of social influence that Diana had yeah. uh, unknowing that, you know, but the stone obviously knew that, you know, Diana is also wonder woman and yeah. sort of accidentally falling into that. Yeah. That was actually really cool. Uh, her second wish of wanting to be an <laughs> predator. Um, I felt was a little like, again, it's like that whole, um, you know, with the first part they're like, this was a great script moment. We got to keep this. And they're like, but how does she become the cheetah? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was conversation next predator, you know, and it was just like I mean I loved Kirsten Wig in that movie. Like um, I thought, like she was kind of a great, um, you know, anti-hero, you know, or sorry, anti-villain. In that, you know, we kind of sympathize with her. We, you know, but then it's like when at that point with Apex Predator, it's just like this is not the person we've been following the whole movie. All of a sudden, she yeah. wants to be an Apex Predator. That's a moment of them going from we need to make this the Cheetah because it's a Wonder Woman movie, mm-hmm. rather than oh, this could be a great new hero like anti-Wonder Woman or something that we could right. invent, but we just decided we need to pull out a character from the comics right. rather than making this a new character. Yeah, or you could have it like, I don't know, it felt like one of those um, weird comic book adaptational challenges that some movies do well with and some don't, where it's like so unnatural in 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 kind of grounded reality for someone to name themselves or wish to be an animal. Like it's, whereas in comics, it's just so established that somebody can be like, and I shall call myself the cheetah. And you're reading it and you're like, yes, (laughs) like that makes sense. And I, and again, it seems like one of those, yeah, where they were like, okay, if we just pick the wording specifically enough, it will make perfect sense that the Dreamstone would, take this as i would like to be a cheetah and they were really trying to walk that line and it was very mm-hmm. silly yeah, yeah. i feel like half the time in comics what they do is they just like it's they have they spread out the scenario so at some point the press calls them the name yeah. and it sticks and then they take it on whereas th- like she's only in it for one scene as the cheetah so no one has time to call her the cheetah yeah and no i mean like that's a certain downside. That she like, like she liked animal prints earlier. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was the eighties. So, I mean, you know, that, that tracks that whole origin of, of cheetah uh, working that way. You know, it kind of goes back to what I was like, saying, like, I know uh, Grace, you're saying you love that opening scene of um, in the mall and stuff, but uh, that for me is just like already pointing out like the sort of modern problem with, superhero movies where like when it's not addressed at least where it's just that level of power that diana just happens to like be basically a god in uh, a shopping mall and then these like two low-level thugs drop a gun and everyone's like gun freaking out and then she's like now using her godlike powers in like these two low-level thugs of just like completely non-threatening it's just like you can be you know in the first movie there she's like fighting you know uh in world war one and taking on an army it's just like the grandiosity of it. And then like having her, you know, like fight some thugs outside of a Baskin Robbins <laughs> in part two is just like, this is really the best use of your power. Okay. I love that. The reason I love that scene is, you know how sometimes when you're watching something, whether you're watching it with people or you're just aware that your friends are, are probably going to watch it or have, and you can feel everyone else hating it. You can feel <laughs> it. And that kind of makes you like it more. 
<laughs> that's what I felt that whole scene. Every time, like, you know, she winked at that little girl or like she did a cute, like, save of someone that where they landed in a pile of pillows or whatever. I don't remember right. what happened. Um, <laughs> I was some of that. Felt, I, was that yeah. I felt everyone I know hating it. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. It's fun. <laughs> Join us every week by heading to realtruefactspodcast.com. We discuss aliens, Bigfoot, robots, fairies, conspiracy theories. That's realtruefactspodcast.com. And keep questioning your world because just because you hear about it or read about it doesn't mean it's true. Well, let's move on to the thing that uh, we can all probably hate together, which is the unnecessary way in which Wonder Woman brings back Trevor from the first film. So unnecessary. How how it's unnecessary the way it works, how it's problematic, and how it's weirdly, they don't ever show her wording of it. So we don't understand why it does it this way. Yeah, that was, I thought I'd missed a scene. I was like, yeah, yeah, maybe it was cut, yeah sleep or did i go was that when i went and got coffee <laughs> but like yeah i felt like i missed her wishing for it she I mean, holds the stone she knows she goes i know exactly what i would wish for and like looks <laughs> pensive so she's making a wish clearly yeah but she never says it out loud so we never hear the wording and what then, we don't yeah. know is that she wants trevor <laughs> she wishes for trevor to come back in another guy's body she specifically asked for that so yeah um, i guess or like i wish he was taller or something. Like I wish Trevor would come back, but he's like a little taller. So yeah. she comes back in a guy who's like one inch taller his body or something. And it's so like, arbitrary because the, because the, the wishing stone manifests things. Like we've seen that, that wall that comes out of the, the ground and missiles that come out of nowhere, apparently. So they, you know, there's no, it's not like the, you know, the stone has to like, you know, uh, bring things back, but with what's established, you know, it can just like, you know, manifest things. Yeah, it's very magic. That yeah. would have fixed so many. Like that's that's why I, I I yeah I think Alan you said earlier that like this needed one like another rewrite. Like, yeah, there was even again I liked this movie. There was definitely things where I was like, oh man, one more quick draft would have fixed this. Yeah. So <laughs> you didn't need. I guess they really wanted to do the fashion uh, montage which i'm on board for but just go to a clothing store like you sure they could have done all the stuff that worked without this the other it, it just seemed like there was potential to do something with it like there was all the questions of like who's this guy's life and like we're interrupting this guy's life the morality of it and like you know like maybe he's a criminal and then that you know the, the other you know, the, the body that steve trevor is like and then you know the police are after him or whatever and he's like they could have done something they did nothing with it it was totally, yeah, they, completely unnecessary you know what i thought like i wondered while watching it is i wonder if in a previous draft if him coming back in another dude's body was the kind of price of the wish like they end up making it she loses her powers but i wonder if a previous draft was he came back but that means this other guy is dead. Like his life like, yeah his yeah like and that would be a bit more of a conflict, but then like that would also make her so evil, right? right. Like, exactly. Well, they would have to like deal with that then. Like, they would have to deal with the guilt and like her being like knowing she has to turn him back, but still feeling sad about it. Like that, I could get behind. Like, if she knew, yeah. I have to reverse this wish. But I mean, like, it, I think she does too much with him before yes. making that decision. <laughs> yeah, she bangs him up. No, I mean, like, I, I feel like there was a lot of movies in this movie. You know, I think they kind of need to pick which movie it is. Because there's, you know, there's there's Cheetah's story and that whole relationship with Diana. That could have been the movie, you know. There's Maxwell Lord and they could have, like, really, like, delved into that. And, like, like I said, like, his story that 
um, was OMAC project was, was basically like this, uh, um, computer network that, you know, is watching everyone in the world. And, and this was written in 2005. It's way more, um, you know, prevalent now, like the, you know, of, uh, us being monitored constantly and him tapping into that. And like, you know, um, they could have done something with that or they could have done this whole wishing stone as well and just made that right. thing. And then Trevor maybe was in another body. Like I think they were just trying to do too many things and nothing was really fully cooked. It felt, you know? Yeah. And a lot of those things like felt like they could have been something good. Like I, I liked the idea of her showing Trevor the future yeah. because it really well paralleled. Right. Exactly. The previous film where she, like, he showed her the real, like the outside mm-hmm. world. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. An, I also like him on the escalator. That's just that's just wholesome fun. Like that's <laughs> just just wholesome fun. good stuff. But yeah, it felt also like it really weakened. Um, just having it be two movies in a row that where their storyline ends with her having to like kind of sacrifice him or him sacrificing himself. It felt like you could have put a movie in between these two. Like I feel like yeah. it would have. You know, again, I love their relationship. I, uh, creepiness aside, I think Chris Pine is very fun in this movie. I like them together. I would have felt more sad at their saying goodbye to each other if that hadn't just happened slightly better yeah. in the previous movie. It also seems to undercut a lot of Wonder Woman's strength, how much they make him her obsessed with him. Because they knew each other for about a month. Mm-hmm. In World War Two, it's the eighties now. <laughs> Seriously, she seems Move to have not dated anyone else since, yeah. even a little. Yeah, I feel and like they, they could have again fixed this quite easily if they just because again, this is the part of the movie where we still don't know the Dreamstone worked. If you made a, her a little less obsessed with him, but maybe just something that day had reminded her of him, like somebody had mm-hmm. asked. Um, have you ever been in love with a pilot? And she'd been like, oh yeah, I was one time. And so that just like, and so she kind of idly was like, oh, I'd love to see Steve again. Yeah, yeah. Right. That I think would have been like, you still could have had the whole fun with them getting reunited and her kind of falling in love with them all over again. And right. the like creepy, like his pictures are everywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it seems like she's done nothing with later. her life until this moment I when know. the movie started. Yeah, there's not been one other guy you've been in love with. Like, I know. On. It's like, come on, seriously. And there's guys constantly throwing themselves at her for sure. <laughs> but she's like, no. no, this guy from 80 years ago. The least yeah. realistic thing about this entire movie was, was, you know, at the end where she sees the guy, like, who was, who, like, Steve took over the body of, like, they're in the, right. they're, they're like looking at the snow and talking about how pretty it is. And she's giving him, like, moon eyes for sure. Mm. And he doesn't ask her out and is just like, <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, have a Merry Christmas or whatever he says. Like, if if you were on the street and Gal Gadot was just like looking at you, like yum yum yum, give me some of that. Like, who among us would not be like, hey, do you want to grab coffee? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, not to mention that she's already had sex with that dude. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, maybe her eyes are less yum 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 and more like, I don't know what your dick looks like. <laughs> Which is a problem, <laughs> right? It should be morally, yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's yeah. not great. Yeah, no, they definitely should have, uh, I mean, uh, you know, God, there was just so much stuff that was wasted opportunities, I feel, in that movie. Yeah, this movie is constantly something that I'm like, oh, that's a cool idea. Oh, that's a bad execution, right? <laughs> right, right. Like, and the next thing I think is the biggest part of that, which is when 
Max wishes to become the Dreamstone. I'm very confused that that's his plan to start with. Like, I'm like, why? Yeah. why how did he know he? You know, because it's like it's got that double-edged sort of Faustian deal kind of thing. Like, how does he know he just wouldn't have become a stone? You know I mean? <laughs> a stone? Yeah, yeah. If that would have been, he's like, all right, wish granted. It's such an obvious, you know. But there's no seems to be no real trade-off other than he gets bloody noses, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and it the seems, wind. <laughs> seems like he did some research. It seems like he had some concept of how the stone was supposed to work, so he knew that part was going to work. And I can give him that. And I think it's a cool idea to be like, oh, I can't get more than one wish. Well, then I will become the wish machine. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so I'm wishing for more wishes. A reasonable yeah. cool idea, especially because it means that he gets to kind of decide what the price is exacted of everyone. Like, I think that could have been emphasized a bit more as like being why he, why why he, he did it. Yeah. Just keep mm-hmm. the dreamstone as opposed to like doing that because then yeah he gets his wishes over and over again again by either making other people wish for them or by making it the price he exacts from people but wouldn't it have been cool if his price was that he just slowly turns into the literal dreamstone over the course of the movie yeah (laughs) slowly turning into silicate or something yeah yeah Yeah, that would have been cool that could have been a cool visual too just like him hiding his arm as it's slowly turning to stone or something like yeah. and maybe he like pushes it back when he grants a wish it pushes yeah. back some of the stone would have gotten some so better really body physically see. in here right yeah because instead yeah he's just like getting kind of sick and you're like why is he kind of sick i don't understand what's happening it's just it's not visually clear what's happening to him exactly yeah. you're just like i guess this hurts him, him? but i don't yeah. know why but he still seems addicted to it like he's constantly like, granting more wishes and that's a thing too, is like, it could have been this cool thing of like him using it very carefully and, and meticulously with this plan to move up in the world. And so he's just running around being like, Hey, I bet you'd like a coffee, right? He's like, okay, <laughs> there's two coffees. And now, and now we each have a coffee. It's like, he's asking for the smallest things from random people just to like. So I don't understand the one wish thing like that. Cause, cause uh, Kristen Wiig's character got two wishes. <laughs> that's true. So the, the trick there was that each person gets one wish from the stone, but once he had the ability to grant the cost, mm. he could basically get whatever he wanted from someone else. So oh, he could I, like, yeah, or it could be that she got one wish from the stone, but then one wish from Max. I, I mean, those two separate. Yeah, but yeah. I, what I thought was going to happen was that in that moment where he asks her what she wishes for is that he doesn't know that she wished to be like Diana. Cause he met her after she was already like that. Oh, right. And it was going to be some reveal where he like abandons her. Cause he discovers she's a fucking nerd. Normally. That's what I thought was going to happen there. He's like, Oh, you're a dweeb. Get out of this plane. I mean, I also love the moment where it's like, it's classic eighties sort of, uh, you know, a geek turned she kind of moment where she's like, Oh, she's a nerd. She wears glasses. And then she takes off the glasses. And everyone's like, oh, you're beautiful. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love how she still kept them for like several scenes before that though. Cause, so I had some hope. I was like, Oh, I guess they're not going to do the glasses thing. They're ever, it's just going to be like, she's kind of glowing enough that no one, that the glasses kind of don't matter. But then they were like, oh, wait, shit, we forgot about this trope. Let's shove it in here. (laughs) Fuck, we almost forgot to do it. Yeah, it's it's, it's a little unclear how he starts granting powers at the end because it's still supposed to be one per person. But yeah, he does kind of give her to... It seems like he's got magic powers to grant the wishes as he wants. So maybe he stole someone else's power as their cost and gave it to her. Or maybe Again, it like so takes nebulous. away it's her just... other power. Maybe it took away her other wish and then gave her this one instead. Or something. Maybe because he was the stone, he could do that. He could get her to renounce and give it in. Yeah, you, I, that one you, was like, I yeah, because I really was like, oh shit, she already did a wish. This is going to be like a 
plot point right now, which is that like, <laughs> nope. you can't get another one or something like that. And, and it was not. Hmm. You'd also think if her original wish was to be more like Diana, that would also include her moral code. But then again, in this film, we've established she doesn't have the moral code that she should have. <laughs> right. So she, <laughs> she has it very selectively about yeah. certain things. Do they? Mm. I think I, I feel like they touched on it, but now I can't think of it. Was there because they kind of touched on like the the wishing stone was like a god was one of the ancient gods or something was tied. It was to empowered by a god who's supposed to be a, a minor character in Wonder Woman lore. Do they name uh, the Duke of Deception, Dolos or Mendicius? Okay, Dolos. Hmm. Apparently, he's a guy who's like sometimes a henchman for Ares. But like it's a minor character who most people don't know that well, and they're just like, yeah. oh yeah, we gotta we gotta tie this into Wonder Woman lore somehow. So uh, the stone was made by this guy. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> spirit of trickery or guile. Yeah, I see. Okay, doesn't really seem that trickery either. It's more of greed based. Like it seems like it would be a god of greed or something. But right. Uh, let's blow through some of the more boring wishes here just so we can get them out of the way. Uh, he does trick his co-investor into wishing for his company's success so that he just gets a bunch of oil, suddenly shows up all around the world, uh, flooding the oil market, reducing its value, I would assume. I assume. Uh, right. <laughs> a secretary wishes for more help around the office. So a bunch of interns don't show up at the wrong building. Right. <laughs> Perfect. They're hired. Yeah, we're here for an entirely different job. Like, you're hired. Right. Like, I'd be like... No, I want. I don't, I don't I want to do I love how if the trade-off for that wish is they're just all bad at their job because that was not. They're like, I, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why you guys hired me. I'm glad you did. I need the money, but I just, you know, I have no experience in this field. But so. that is an example of one of the wishes where clearly the Dreamstone used the materials at hand rather than just inventing entirely new humans to help. Right. Them, <laughs> where it clearly was like, as opposed to the nuclear weapons though who knows they would have been great to have a scene where just like the materials that go into a nuclear weapon are just suddenly flying out of mind <laughs> around the world and like killing itself on the launch pads yeah that'd be neat yeah uh, there's, a, there's a televangelist who wishes for a sex tape to disappear i don't even really remember that just something in his that, office but that's great okay this is another example of him doing like stuff that shouldn't be enough for a wish just to get a little bit of influence right I think there's, they just had to be like, what are all a bunch of shitty wishes? And like, they just listed a bunch of like shitty yeah. wishes and then like, all right, perfect. Cause like, you're, no, you're no one's... some shitty wishes coming up. The no traffic one where it's like, Hey, I bet you wish there wasn't any traffic. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Some like people just wishing for like just most like inane things like, Oh, I wish I could sleep for another half hour. That'd be great. Yeah. Sleep in. <laughs> And it's like minutes. him, like just putting that idea in their head, and then they're like holding their hand weird, and be like, ah, "Okay, yeah, I guess I wish for that." Like they're not even phrasing it; they're just like, "I guess, fine." <laughs> right. like, how funny. mad you'd be <laughs> if you suddenly <laughs> discovered wishes were real, and you're like, "Fuck!" All I wished for was that coffee. God, yeah. Yeah. I have so much debt. Yeah, <laughs> the guy who wished for a farm, and it showed up in the middle of the city. Oh, yeah. My cows. <laughs> There apparently are a lot of people who wished for Porsches because one guy wishes for a Porsche and then you just see the streets are like loaded with Porsche cars. Yeah. Which I assume was just product placement or something. I mean, I'm sure there's so many people because everyone in the world apparently wished for something. I'm sure there's so many people that like, they wish that their, you know, the mom didn't have cancer or that, you know, like I was bl- not blind or something or, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, we, we didn't, that we're not poor and like in debt to this this company or whatever. Something like that's like good. And then they're like at the end, they're like, you have to renounce your wish. 
No, you got to go back. <laughs> you got to go back. Sorry. Do I have to be in the wheelchair? Yeah, sorry. That's it's for the greater good, you know? It feels right, like I when think- um you you know the rest of your class screws up, so you all get detention. You're like, I did the work. I did all <laughs> right. like, I have detention too. No, yeah. you gotta, everyone's got to renounce it. Yeah. And let's just talk for a second about the idea that every single human being in the world would have a magic wish. Mm-hmm. All of them would choose to do the moral correct thing and renounce them is just unrealistic based on our current understanding of what the <laughs> yeah. world is. I loved it so much that they all also specifically used the wording, I renounce my wish. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's nobody who's just like, oh, shit, I wish I hadn't done that. But yeah, exactly. It's like a legal term. It's a wish legal term. Yeah, wish legal term, but they all know that, I guess, and they all speak English when in frame. Um, <laughs> like we just had to, we missed the, like, they cut away from the one line where Diana says into the camera, like, you have to say renounce. <laughs> Gotta say it like that. For it, le- for it to be legally binding, the word binding. renounce has to be in there. I, I, no, mean, like that, I know we're not this whole. I know we're not nitpicking or whatever, but that whole scene at the end as well, where she's uh, trying to get the lasso on him, and then it's, there's all that wind, so like she can't lasso him because of all the wind. <laughs> and then it shows a close up on his face, and he's like, you know, and then she's talking, and then he's like. Uh, why would I listen to you? And then she's like, I'm not talking to you. And then the lasso now is magically around his ankle. Like, how? <laughs> I thought you couldn't get it around him. It was like when it was off frame, you know, when we off frame, we can do it. Yeah. Um, I, just- I kind of lo- like, I know again, it was like, I was like, this is cheesy and I don't really know what's happening, but I kind of love how much, Pedro Pascal is just like killing it in this wind <laughs> tunnel that they put him in. Like there was, must be so much wind in his ears and he's just like chewing on it. <laughs> yeah. And my absolute favorite line is when like, I forget um, either she or someone points out like um, that your son, his son is in trouble or something like that. And you have this like shot of him kind of realizing that and you see in his eyes him making the decision to go save his son and you're like oh that's a good acting moment he clearly made that decision and then he says i have to go save my son <laughs> <laughs> like yeah we got it we got it yeah, we got, yeah. yeah he, he he performs this whole uh film i guess it's said in the 80s as though he's been given cocaine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right he's like frantically on everything which is Fun to watch, but also just a weird way to do a villain. Yeah, yeah. Every uh, every take, he gets one line right before. <laughs> and I, just, I, I wish they hadn't really tried to make him as sympathetic. Like they already kind of did that with uh, cheating with Kirsten Wig. Like it would have been great just him being like a full on irredeemable villain, you know, as opposed to like this whole like dad storyline where at the end he's like, you know what, I do want to spend time with my kids all along. That's what it's all been about. It's just like why this this was this necessary. I don't think it worked either. Cause yeah. like, yeah, he goes, he goes to save his son and his un- like unaccompanied minor is wandering around on the White House <laughs> right. lawn surrounded by carnage. And just comes running out of the bushes. Like he was just there the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> where, where is your babysitter? <laughs> I left you with a nanny. Why are you here? I think they were like, they really shoved that. That was clearly a reshoot. And they were like, people are loving the Baby Yoda <laughs> relationship. We got to get a reference in here. Yeah. <laughs> this was shot out like a week before the release. And that's that's most of the wish. I think the only one we haven't talked about, yeah, there's the quick one where Alistair almost wishes for more time with his dad. He's like, no, no. And then he wishes for his dad's greatness, which is just so <laughs> you tell I guess it doesn't take effect. You can tell also the kid is bummed by that wish. Like, 
It's like when your parents make you say, like, apologize to your sibling or something, and you're like, right, well, you're not sorry. I'm sorry I punched you in the. <laughs> like, okay, God. I mean, had that kid gotten that wish out, we probably could have solved the whole film, right? Because yeah. more time with his son, he would have his son staring at him with doe eyes the whole time. And every time he was about to do something immoral or questionable, the kid would be like, but your dad, can't we just go play go-karts instead? And they wouldn't do the evil thing because you right. couldn't with your son watching. I mean, that's exactly it. With everyone wishing in the world, like what about contradictory wishes, you know, where it's just like, you know, I wish for, you know, a, a new uh, Lambo. And then, you know, the son wishes that the dad didn't worry about material possessions so much, you know, and, uh, and then how does that, how do those two yeah, things kind a of. a real liar, liars plot line on our hands here. Yeah, there's yeah. A, yeah. Things could have could have gone a lot a lot of different ways, and there also is, the one we skipped is also the Egyptian leader who wishes to oust people from his ancestral lands. And again, it's just feels feels weird and racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> on on multiple counts and angles, and it's just it it doesn't need to be there. It, like, yeah. it doesn't get him anything other than a couple extra goons, and it just sets up a, a action sequence that could probably have happened anywhere. Yeah, so what is, wishes, sorry, what's the wish? Maddox, he, he wishes that, like... The Egyptian leader, the nebulous Egyptian leader, mm-hmm. uh, wishes to oust all, I guess, heretics or infidels from his ancestral homeland. From Egypt. And that's what causes the walls to come up and his people to start uh, dying of thirst because apparently it blocks off a bunch of rivers. Oh. <laughs> I, I see, right, right. That whole, okay, I kind of remember what you're talking about. Yeah. I guess he was doing it because he wanted oil rights. And they're like, oh, but we already gave away oil. oil. There's no oil here. Ha, ha, ha. And he's like, okay, I'll take your goons. <laughs> so, like, he gets nothing out of it. It's not part of the plot for him gaining power. And right. it's just a weird thing. Okay. I mean, I kind of liked, again, like the sort of uh, seed idea of these wishes being like kind of inconvenient, but not a huge deal when it's just like regular people wishing for stuff. But once you get to people with like political power, it's so right. easy for one wish to just like really unseat a kind like s- political stability and how much it, the havoc they wreak. I thought it was again like a kind of neat idea, but it felt, yeah, racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Execution. Like it could have been another, you could have made that any country. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, it could, it also just doesn't kind of work because, again, there also were some minor characters who were just average Joes who wished their countries had nukes, which well, also would have been just as bad. Strange. The it amount is, of people wishing for nukes. I know. Yeah. It's like average Joe, their everyday life, they got all kinds of problems at work with their family and they're wishing for nukes. Like, that's their, the front of their mind, you know? Also, why didn't wish for your own nukes? Why wish for your country to have nukes? You don't trust your leaders. Come on. I got my own nukes. Yeah, it feels yeah. like politicians think regular people are wishing right for. Yeah. yeah i bet average joe and jane are really wishing for our military spending to be raised yeah. they're really wishing for that bill to get passed yeah like yeah. i don't know <laughs> all right so i think we've gone through all the wishes in this film at least all the ones i can remember or were on the screen it was loaded it was so wish packed mm-hmm. it's yeah. interesting but it also seems like it didn't follow through it probably was overpacked yeah, yeah but, I feel like they didn't need everyone in the world to make wishes. I feel yeah. like they could have not. Yeah, <laughs> kind of shot the moon there a little bit. Yeah, I'd say that's about that's a good s- synopsis of the second half of this film. They could have not. <laughs> could you just not? Yeah, that thing you don't need to. You can yeah, just end the movie here. 
Yeah. And I think I think that's the problem. With the the first Wonder Woman also had a thing of like the second or the, mm. the third act is kind of where it fell apart, where it's like yeah. suddenly it turned into a big fight of people throwing tanks at each other, and you're like, well, we didn't we didn't need that, right? And this is the same way. Like you have literally the whole world, everyone in the whole world. Yeah, that's true. The, the, the first the first movie had that thing at the end where it was like once Hades is is, is uh, destroyed, stopped, everyone will love each other again. And it sort of reduces like the problem of the world of like, yes, it's not our fault. It's Hades. <laughs> it's not that we hate each other. It's, it's Hades guys. It was almost a wonderful moment of her understanding the nature of man, right? Like right, if right. she had killed that guy and then the war didn't stop, she goes, Oh no, you know, humans are more evil than I thought. Right. Uh, but then, yeah, actually it was Hades. Yeah, exactly. He's going to throw tanks at you. Yeah. Kind of undercut the, first, the, the ending sequence of the first one is like a great example in my mind of how something can be like severely flawed, but if you have a really good emotional core, it Mm -hmm. kind of powers you through. Like, again, I, you know, I think we all recognize the flaws in that ending, but I think the goodbye between her and Steve worked so well in that movie that to me, that gave me enough kind of goodwill to get through that last scene and still end the movie liking it. Whereas in this one, they place one, they try to use the same, the same emotional core as, as the thing that gets you through the ending. And it's also placed quite early. Like one of the reasons the whole Steve thing didn't bother me as much as it bothered some people, though it did bother me is he just was like, not in that much of the movie, like leaves pretty early and there's still a lot of the movie left. I don't know. Yeah. So I feel like this was one where we might've gotten through that messiness at the end. If there'd been a better emotional climax to kind of like drive us through the wind tunnel that Pedro Pascal was in, but we mm. were in the wind tunnel with him. There's, there's some good ideas here. There's some fun ideas here, but I think the execution didn't sell it all the way. So you, we, some of us still had fun. Grace still had a great time. Yeah, that, All that being said, I would watch it again right now. Okay, great. great. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'll probably end up watching it again someday, but, uh, I also I, I'm gonna still keep thinking about it because just both the things that work and the things that don't mm-hmm. definitely make me think, and and just there's so much happening, Thinking. so dense, so dense. I just I would just fantasize about the uh, the, the well written version of it. That's what I'll always just obsess over that where it just yeah really it just down the line. Just think I know about they were so close. Yeah. <laughs> There could have been something there, yeah. There yeah. could have been something. There could have been something amazing. I think. I think we can all agree that there could have been something even better here. But I mean, yeah, almost like what there was, and some of us are are too betrayed by yeah. what there wasn't. <laughs> well, I mean, like going back to what we were saying with DC, like you know they've they they've been doing the one offs really well. Like you know, if you look at something like Joker or whatever, like it's like, or you know, I mean, it's probably the really best example, but where it's not tied into the main. Was a lot of fun. It's not world. really tied in. Oh, yeah, Shazam was fun. Yeah, Shazam is uh, as well. I, I liked Aquaman a little, a little, a little more than Shazam. But yeah. um, Aquaman, I think, was as another great example of a movie that is like it's kind of bad, but it's bad in the in the right way. So it's right. actually a lot of fun. Exactly, it's great, and it worked and stuff. Um, I just, I don't know. I feel like you know, like there's so many stories. Like even uh, with them doing Batman versus Superman, if they were instead of done something like you know uh, Red Sun or you know. Dark Knight or whatever, the one in the future, like something that's not contained into the, um, you know, like a sort of shared universe, like abandon that shared universe idea. Just make like Oscar worthy (laughs) superhero movies that are just really good. I mean, I know it's a crazy idea, but um, people will love it. 
would have been actually a great business idea for them to be like, hey, all the Marvel movies, they're all so interconnected. You kind of have to see all of them and then be mm-hmm. like, hey, DC ones, they all stand alone. You don't have to see the, each other one. Yeah. And that would, people would be like, okay. The connected universe is so hard to do. Like, it's wild that MCU has been pulling out as oh, well as sure. it has. And it does, I don't think the lesson to learn from them is everyone should try it. Right. <laughs> I, I think agree. I agree. DC was kind of like, hey, we'll start at Justice League and go backwards. You know, that was their sort of idea. But it's like, I, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, yeah. Because no. <laughs> they, you know, Marvel, like, you know, they, they, yeah, it's like Grace, you're saying, like, you know, they somehow pulled off <laughs> the impossible, you know, with like having all these actors stick around for over a decade and reprise their roles and stuff. And like every single, you know, per actor pretty much people love, you know, but like <laughs> right off the bat when they brought in, uh, ben Affleck as as Batman, like that, just just tanked right away. And you're like, okay, well, we got a ten year contract with him, so you guys better get used to him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, Marvel didn't suffer from any of, any of that. There was no like, I mean, okay, not, uh, save um, Chadwick, but there was no un, you know like tragic sort of tragedy that struck that messed mm-hmm. up the whole thing. Um, yeah, there's like one major recast, and it's not even that major, which is a uh, fucking Rhodey, right? Rhodey, that was right. Early enough that it wasn't, yeah. Yeah, like that. We're, yeah. we're all over it now. Yeah, and same thing with Edward Norton and, and Hulk and stuff. But right. yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. What's that first Avengers movie hit? They just that. yeah, they were uh, yeah, they they just been killing it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Alan and Grace, for joining me for this movie. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Well, that's what we came up with. But we want to hear from you. Tell us your thoughts. You can find us on Twitter at Break a Wish Pod. Email breakawishpod at gmail.com. Join the Breakawish discussion group on Facebook. And you can support the show by writing a review, telling a friend, or buying a t-shirt on TeePublic. All this information at breakawish.ca. For more Alan Bellarique, you can check out his show Connect 40, a Zoom-based improv show. Next show is on January 25th. For more details and future shows, you can go to This Is Not TV on Facebook. For more Grace Smith, you can check out her podcast with co-host Cassie Cow called I'm Not Mad at You, which you can find on any podcatcher. This is a Kicks and Giggles Entertainment production, hosted by Maddox Campbell, themed by Matthew Reed, cover art by Justin Langford, and a proud member of the Sonar Podcast Network. More podcasts at thesonarnetwork.com. So, what would you wish for? This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! When you're all alone and the clock keeps ticking and you can't sleep, I'll be with you. On a Dark Cold Night is a bedtime ghost story podcast. Each week, writer and performer Kristen Zaza, that's me, creates a new fictional story for you that is frightening yet soothing to help you calm down and get to sleep. As an anthology with a cryptic, overarching throughline, each episode you spend time with your mysterious narrator, also me, and get to know her a little bit more, for better or for worse. Brought to you by the Sonar Network, On a Dark Cold Night can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Visit kristenzaza.com or thesonarnetwork.com for more information.
Good night, my friends. <laughs>